Coming up on this episode of EdTech, we talk about Dante, Blue River Chips, and digital signage. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is EdTech episode 48. What about Dante? EdTech is brought to you by our fine underwriters like FSR. This is EdTech. This is EdTech. I'm Bill O'Donnell, a host of your your monthly higher ed uh, podcast. And I'm joined with me this month with Spencer Graham from West Virginia University. I'm also joined by Mike Tomei and as always, the beloved Ernie Bailey. <laughs> so that being said, uh, gentlemen, uh, first off, uh, happy holidays. Um, I know uh, um, all of us are probably in the mode of uh, gearing up for uh, renovations as well as the projects that we said, yes, we will get to it. And uh, we are now going to be in between on that gap of, okay, the students aren't here, the finals are finally done, and okay, let's get into the classrooms that we can. So um, it's going to be uh, all sorts of fun in the next couple of weeks for all of us. Um, first off, uh, I want to give the floor to uh, Spence. Uh, Spence is uh, actually, um, a, uh, his specialty is uh, emergency notification and digital signage, uh, specifically over at uh, West Virginia University. And uh, Spence, I believe you are going to be uh, the uh, keynote speaker or one of the keynote speakers at uh, Digital Signage Expo in 2017. So if you want to elaborate on that a little Right. Well, we're, I'm privileged to have been involved with the Digital Signage Expo for a number of years on their advisory board, and uh, I've also uh, headed up a number of their uh, educational sessions over over the years there, and great people to work with. I encourage anybody and everybody to come to Digital Signage Expo. It's in Las Vegas uh, this year. It's March 28th to the 31st, and uh, it is chuck full of not only great educational sessions when it comes to digital signage and content and, and networking, things like that, but you're going to have all those vendors there that uh, if you're ever doing R&D, that's a perfect place to be because you can sit down there and talk to the guy that invented it or talk to the people that sell it. Uh, so uh, we really, we, my entire team goes every year there because we are able to really pack a lot of living in a very short period of time with the uh, stuff that we're wanting to do on campus. I'll be specifically speaking about emergency messaging uh, this year. Um, it's uh, called emergency alert. And we'll kind of dissect what goes on, what is the dynamic in an alert situation on a college campus. Unfortunately, we read too often what's, uh, what things are going on on some of these campuses in a, in a crisis. Uh, I always say that evil people do their evil deeds at evil times of the day. And uh, we don't have that luxury of picking and choosing the time of our next crisis. And so uh, our emergency alert uh, situation uh, is threefold. We have digital signage, we have a text alert, and an email alert that goes out there. So we'll be kind of talking about some of those things uh, at the Digital Signage Expo. And, and like I say, it's a fantastic experience for anybody that goes. Uh, and uh, you can get a ton of things done while you're there uh, when you're looking at your technology and software situations. 
Yeah, so so there you actually have time where you can talk with the actual engineers, and it's not just. And I don't mean anything bad by this. You don't. You're not getting blitzed by just the sales guys. It's really more of, well, this is what we're looking to do. This is the, this is the issues we have on campus. This is the number of locations. And by the by the sounds of it, it's it's really like, well, we have a solution. Let's let's work it out. Let's mesh it. Let's you know, uh, let's work it to where it's tailored to you. Now, I'm not saying it's it's everything's absolutely custom, but it's really more of okay. These are the requirements that you need. This is what we have to hit, and um, you know, these are the network uh, issues that we have. Right, and and not everybody wears size 12 shoes, so you have your own specific situations. And so, uh, if you're looking at software, there's there. When I first started eight nine years ago, there was like two, maybe three software vendors out there. Now there's all sorts of software that do all sorts of things for a digital signage network, including emergency alerts. But you know, you have the ability to sit there and talk to a number of people so that you have good data to make your decisions. Decisions. Now, you don't necessarily have to make your decisions there, but you can come away with talking to the people that supply the mounting solutions to your digital signage. You can talk to a number of people that create the monitors. You can talk to a number of software uh, vendors that are there, all sorts of technology. So you go away with a ton of information to make good decisions. Well, that's good. Um, so, folks, if you get a chance, um, Spence, when is uh, Digital Science Expo? That is March 28th to the 31st in Las Vegas at the Las Vegas Convention Center. Oh, yes. That's, uh, as I say, I know that convention center well. Um, I make a recommendation to anyone if they are going to go to that. Um, it's good to book a hotel uh, anywhere along the monorail line because it brings you right to there. But that's my own, uh, that's my own experience. So, uh, that being said, thank you, Spence, on that note. Um, we're going to move on to our first article, which is from uh, Commercial Integrator. Uh, mostly it talks about how uh, Extron uh, has actually brought out their, their uh, new uh, digital matrix processors, which, if you're not aware, uh, Extron got into the digital signal processor business. And uh, if you've got a chance to play around with this software, or specifically their their digital signal processors, it's um, it's it's more like uh, it's a cross point matrix. And if you've ever played around with uh, Clear One or a sound structure unit or things like that, um, it's 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 like that. It's you go along the cross point matrix, uh, you kind of click, you know, you you find where your inputs are, you click to your outputs, and you do your signal processing uh, along that uh, along that matrix. And uh, you know, to counterbalance that, you have uh, BSS who will uh, BSS or um, BIAMP and a couple other ones that will go and they do an open architecture and you can kind of program it however you like. But uh, Extron has really kind of made it more of the kind of uh, click, uh, kind of click, a couple of clicks and you're done. Uh, so you know I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this around the room, uh, Mr. Ernie. Mr. Ernie, what do you what do you think of this? Uh, I like the idea and. You know, we use the open architecture uh, plan here on our campus just because of the flexibility, but for building a uh, quick system, something easy to put together, I like this idea. The thing that really confuses me about this in, you know, as a brand new product coming out there, you have to get their plus AT model to have Dante. Uh yeah. That should be at the baseline of any DSP that comes out now, in my opinion. No, I, I totally agree with you in that one, in the fact that uh, Crestron, um, when they put out their uh, DSP, which we've talked about in yes. the past, but off the bat, they said, oh, no, uh, we don't, you know, 
you know, you have your clear ones, which have their expansion, their, their own expansion bus of the G link. You have, um, BSS that has their blue link expansion bus and Crestron looked at all that and said, we're not doing the proprietary bus. We're, you, you want a bus? Here's Dante. Here you go. That there you go. Um, so I do agree with you on that one. And the fact that, you know, it's, it's, is it necessary to have a proprietary, a proprietary bus? Eh, not really. I mean, you know, if you, if you have a proper network and you have Dante, then you should be kind of all good to go. Um, Mike, what do you think? Yeah, I've, I've actually used the Extron DSPs. Um, they're smaller versions. They have um, uh, some like maybe a six by six input, four output DSP yeah. version and um, some smaller versions. So I've actually used them in the past. I found them really easy to um, configure the software. Um, I had no problem. And um, these were like kind of small to mid-sized classroom systems. And they did a great job for what I needed. I, I wasn't um, doing any conferencing, so I didn't have any acoustic echo cancellation going on in there. Um, so these larger models definitely have all those features packed into there, um, which is great. It, it really kills me to have to buy a DSP and then also buy extra add-on boxes to support uh, Dante or VoIP, you know, if we're using a VoIP connection for yeah. conferencing, um, to buy another VoIP uh, endpoint box or a, a USB audio box. Um, mm -hmm. it, so, and all of a sudden you're, you're DSP turns into four rack units of all these things interconnected that um, you're probably going to have one of them uh, die at some point and uh, like be the weak link in your connection here. Um, so it's nice to see uh, um, these DSPs that are packing all these features into one box. Yeah, I think Dante can definitely be uh, declared the winner by now uh, as far as all of these uh, audio formats go. Um, you know, I say that now, but then who knows a, a year from now, two years from now, who knows what'll pop well, it, up. Um, it could be worse. We could still see units that still have Cobernet on them. So yeah, uh, right. Well, you know, some of these modular uh, DSPs that you can buy where you can buy the, the cards that go in them, they still have all of those kind of uh Cobernet or, or um, some more legacy uh, cards that you can pop in there if you're still running uh, those networks. But um, but it is nice to see uh, Dante on there. I agree. It, Dante should be everywhere right now um, on the on these DSPs, and uh, well, I, I think yeah, everybody's I mean, going to need for it. Well, yeah. If you look at it, um, and Spence, this kind of relates back to you on this one. Um, Extron, uh, let's see, Extron. I believe Kramer. I don't know if Crestron's done it, but I know Crown has done this, in which uh, they started making their uh, their audio amps uh, have Dante endpoints in them. So now you can just go and say, oh, yeah, here, we need to have uh, speakers over in this area. Yeah, uh, you know what? We'll just throw a uh, amp in. Make sure you throw in a uh, proper uh, network connection, and, th and there you go. Um, so it does make uh, – it does. It, as I say, having Dante does kind of make uh, things like uh, distributed audio or, you know, uh, a mass notification system a lot easier rather than um, before maybe you would end up – I mean, it's it, it all kind of depends – with uh, how your setup is for that. Um, some systems have it where there are message players set out over across the network, but you know, if, if there's ways to kind of simplify things, I think Dante is definitely uh, working its way through and making that uh, a bit easier for, for implementation sake and everything. So go ahead, sir. Yeah, I, I was just gonna say I've used uh, in my previous life there at WVU, I was with WVU Television Productions and we used Extron and Crestron, things like that in our in our distance learning classrooms. And um, they were great at the time. Now we're talking 
six, eight years ago. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I, I can say this just from the standpoint uh, of managing that particular network. When you had those things in different rooms and different electronic classrooms around the state, the learning curve of trying to get a, an instructor trained to be able to know what buttons to push. That, that was the, uh, to be quite honest, it was fantastic technology if you're a, a, a technologist. Mm -hmm. However, a lot of these instructors are not technologists, they are teachers. Yeah. And getting them up on that learning curve was one of the, uh, one of the biggest challenges that we had because each semester you had a new uh, instructor to train and about the time they got done with their very last lecture six weeks eight weeks into the course they were up to speed and then they were gone so that that's the big thing is making things uh, convenient enough and and not over tink the works so to speak uh, in making it so complicated to get them to be able to know how to uh, use it in their space mm -hmm. Well, it's, and, and that's the thing. Um, one of the things that um, uh, uh, Mike and Ernie and I have all had talks about is it's coming up with trying to make standards um, through the classrooms. Now, it, it doesn't mean that every single classroom has to be, uh, you know, oh, you only get, you're only getting this across the entire board. Well, no, some rooms, uh, you know, are meant for video conferencing. And so there's going to be a little specialized, but you, you essentially you kind of set up um, almost like tiers with these things. And after a while, the faculty kind of look around and they look and they go and say, oh, all right, I'm in a regular classroom. Okay, the system is over here, the touch panel does this. And, you know, for the most part, you try to make it to where uh, everyone knows, okay, if I, hit the, if I hit the projector button and I hit PC, the whole thing will kick into effect and I'm good. Um, so it's about standardization and, that, and you're right on that one. It's, it's trying to get the faculty on board is, is a very critical step. The second step is making sure that they're comfortable with everything, which is kind of standardization. So um, this is one thing that, uh, uh, this is another article, speaking of standards, uh, that's actually from AV Network. And specifically, it's about the company, uh, they put out an article about how AptoVision is releasing their new uh, Blue River uh, chip as well as their Blue River APIs. Uh, now, if you're not familiar with uh, Blue River, um, if uh, you're a technologist, you've seen how most uh, technology these days, or most uh, systems, usually have HD base T. Well, Blue River uh, essentially has started making chipsets that actually use uh, your network and specifically, uh, you know, just it's video over the network. And their whole idea is, listen, it's great that you guys are using everything over uh, Cat5 Cat or Cat6, uh, or even in some cases fiber. Um, it's a lot easier here. We'll just put it on the network and your network switch acts as the switch. Um, and it's kind of interesting to see that go forward. Um, I won't lie, a lot of uh, campuses have already kind of delved heavily into HD base T, but um, it kind of seems to me that the article is kind of pushing it as, hey, we now have APIs, we now have standards, um, we now have ways to where uh, you can actually uh, make it to where the control systems can actually have, can actually start controlling these things and actually uh, shooting it out there. Um, it's an interesting concept. I think it's the eventual end goal uh, from moving from HD base T to eventually we'll, we'll have things directly on the network. Um, Mike, what, do you, uh, what, are you, what are your thoughts on this one? Yeah, I think there's still a lot of um, misconception out there by um, AV people about the differences between uh, HD base T and um, AV over IP. 
and you were mentioning that um, a lot of people have um, gone into the HD base T world or maybe Crestron Digital Media, which is uh, based on HD base T or. Um, well, you X-Tron. have Extron, Extron yeah. there, XDP. It's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's all kind of based on HD base T. So with HD base T, uh, you have your point to point connections, really. You're not running, you can't run HD base T through like an enterprise um, network switch. Uh, you know, pull off a, a Cisco switch off the rack and off the wall and just uh, stuff it in your rack and, and run through there. But um, with, uh, so this article is talking about um, OptoVision, which creates um, uh, AV over IP chipsets, like you were mentioning. Um, and uh, a lot of people have started talking over the past couple of years about uh, AV over IP. Um, one of the other big players was SVSI and then got purchased by uh, AMX. But they were doing the same sort of thing. They, um, uh, you had endpoints still. Um, so you had a, a uh, sort of a transmitter and a receiver um, that were converting your video and audio signals to uh, uh, IP um, signals. And you were able to run them through uh, enterprise network switches, which um, is great. I mean, this is the way everything will be going in the future. It, um, when you talk to your uh, network services people on campus about this, they kind of <laughs> will immediately freak out. Um, so that, bandwidth? Yeah, exactly. They want to know how much bandwidth immediately. So it's not necessarily something that you can just, oh, we're going to take uh, every piece of gear and throw it on the network and, and be able to run everything through our enterprise network here. Um, this article talks about um, the kind of very high definition uh, like 444 transport um, for video and audio that is taking almost 10 uh, gigabits per second, which is going to just um, oh, fill yeah, you're, you're, a, a big you're, switch. Yeah, Make you're, all the friends in network engineering. Oh yeah, you're you're, you're yeah. yeah you're 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 if um if I was a Cisco sales rep, I would be looking at this going, yeah, no, totally, you should definitely be getting in on this. Why? Because, right. You know, it's like say hello to our our new top of the line catalyst switches. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Which it's it's is it a bad thing? No. Is it the eventual end goal? Yes. Do I think that we're actually going to go uh, away from uh, network cabling to fiber? Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And and I guess you have to make a decision too. What kind of um, uh, how how high quality video signal do you need, and what kind of audio um, uh, latency or delay can you deal with? So, um, somebody like SVSI, they make th a few different tiers of equipment here for a uh, AV over IP. So they'll have um, you know high compression like H.264 encoders and decoders uh, that can be used on a network, and your network services people will love you because it's not a lot of bandwidth compared to when you start stepping up into their higher end uh, encoders and decoders when then you're getting into like these really high um, bandwidth signals, but it's much higher quality video, it's not as compressed, and then the, um, there's a lot less uh, audio latency um, with that sort of thing. So um, you can um, still design these systems and put them on a network and not cripple the network, um, or if you really need that high, uh, high quality video and audio, you can create uh, your own uh, network, if you will, for um, these AV signals and still be using um, uh, network switches. It's just not uh, all your other network traffic is not going through those same switches. Yeah, it's, it's one of these things where, um, and Ernie, you can back me up on this one. Uh, this is where uh, the three deadly letters uh, in AV and more, more specifically in video conferencing came into mind. Uh, and that is we're probably going to start venturing more into uh, uh, QoS or quality of service. Because all of a sudden, it's going to be, 
well, we need to have this at this level. Okay, listen, our phone systems are also on the same system. Uh, they have established standards. Do you guys have established standards? Now that's, you know, that's a, that's a deadly uh, phrase in the AV community, but I won't lie. Um, Cisco does have uh, within their own setups and everything, they have uh, acceptable tolerances and limits as to, um, you know, when you have voice quality and how long you're allowed to have delay and jitter and everything. And um, if this stuff goes forward, I think you're going to start seeing that more and more. Um, Ernie has, uh, as I say, uh, um, what, as I say, what do you what do you say on this one? This is, I, I'm, if anything, you're part of the IT department, so I am part of the IT department. Uh, I do see this. I don't see this as coming up in our next phase of renovations. <laughs> uh, you know, the switches. You know, our network switches that we have right now are not AVB compliant. Uh, and I don't see us looking at that as a standard across campus for a long time. You know, we are first a hospital mm -hmm. and a research institution with a university attached. You know, that that's, <laughs> uh, well, I mean, that is, you know, the funding source, <laughs> you know, yeah. patient care. Yeah. Uh, so, that has, that's our driving force and the HIPAA requirements and all that. That gets a lot more attention than me being able to send a signal over the network. Uh, yeah, it's, it, it, I can see in your case, it's, it turns into, um, you know, uh, hey guys, we can definitely stream this uh, from, one, uh, from one auditorium to the other. Okay, that's great. How much bandwidth is that gonna take up? Yeah. Oh, uh, this many uh, gigs per second. Okay, uh, we actually need that for our VoIP system, so that's mm -hmm. gonna take a back seat. Well, we are doing some uh, multicast streaming mm -hmm. uh, across campus, but we're taking, you know, specific packages and sending it, you know, uh, we're not doing every class all the way to everywhere, but mm -hmm. if we have a special event or a lecture that needs to be seen by multiple people, we, you know, uh, a couple button pushes and we can be there. So. Yeah, that's 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 interesting, um, Spence. This actually does affect uh, um, uh, your se your uh, segment and things in terms of um, when it comes to the emergency announcements and when it comes to uh, signage. Are you guys still using um, uh, more of the hardware? Uh, is this are you, are you still using hardware players, or is it or is or is, is it uh, software based? Well, we're doing, you know, it's a combination of both. What we originally, a number of ways that we did it, we learned we were going across the uh, backbone, uh, um, Cat5, Cat6, that type of thing there, to an individual computer in a data, a secure data closet in each building that did that. Now, then any monitor that was in a building, there was a home run back to that data closet there. And that gave us the ability to broadcast our, you know, 99.99% of the time we are playing the uh, standard uh, WVU internal marketing message to our uh, audiences there on campus. We have 31, 31, 32,000 students, 45,000 people a day on campus. So those are our audiences uh, there. But everything now we're the technology was such at the first time that anything in that building was a home run back to that data closet all played the same message at the same time now with technology we are tasking each individual monitor with a nook 
there so that they can play, you know, you may have two or three different departments in that building or even two different colleges in that building. They can be playing their own unique messaging uh, into that area that they occupy. Everything has the ability to get the emergency messaging feature now. Mm -hmm. um, so we've, we've done that, but you know, I can't, I can't speak for all universities and I'm not in charge of the IT department, but I do know that when it comes to IT, it's always a function of money. And what I can tell you, and I'm sure we're not the only ones experiencing uh, tight budgetary economics, Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it, it's a function of, of your resources that you can offend, uh, afford to spend at a given time. And we're trying to do that as we can. But uh, the simple fact of the matter is we are a state, we're a state university mm -hmm. um, there. And so a portion of our budget comes from state funding. Well, we're also experiencing uh, several years of budget cutting. Uh, there because the uh, uh, we're, we're heavy in natural resources here in West Virginia and those uh, those types of taxes have been reduced significantly so we're trying to do more with less uh, right now but uh, certainly we're uh, you know we're competing for student uh, uh, attendees all the time so yeah no I, I oh yeah no believe me I, I know as a um... Uh, as William Patterson is a uh, state is a uh, state school and everything, and uh, I won't lie. Um, as of late, uh, our attendance has dropped a bit, but at the same time, uh, we've also kind of started to focus on what has been bringing the students in mostly. And uh, for us, it's um, uh, it's been teaching, it's been uh, nursing, and. Um, Man, I know when I say this, I'm gonna get uh, I'm gonna get angry emails from a, a couple of our of my own faculty. But uh, kinesiology or kinesthesiology, it's um, it's the uh, science it's the uh, science of motion. Um, I would have said phys ed, but believe me, if I say that, they'll uh, uh, they'll, <laughs> they'll be a, they'll be a dagger in my back in no time. Yeah. So um, no, I understand where you come from that one, uh, because um, we do get some funding from the state. Um, but on the set on the second end of it, um, I don't know how your construction plans go, but we actually have to pay uh, for our uh, new buildings and for our new residence halls and academic buildings. We actually have to pay for them. Um, in other states, usually it's the state that will go and provide the funding for it. But in our case, it's it's been a, a number of uh, bond acts and everything, which is uh, all sorts of fun when you have to go through and justify them. And uh, and then you, you look through the, uh, the requirements and uh, all the other uh, fun little ins and outs, such as uh, in this case, uh, we have to use all union labor. Not that I'm knocking that. However, the last time I went walking in, they said, hey, where's your A card? And I went, hey, I guess I am uh, have to walk around with the uh, with the uh, union electricians. So um, yeah. it is what it is on that one. Um, that being said, uh, let's see here. The last uh, last article, um, once again, this is from AV Network, but this is, uh, it concentrates on an interesting aspect and it's a, uh, it's ADA based, but it's um, pretty much, it was a, it's a blog about listening technologies and Wi-Fi and how they were um, going through and uh, making uh, assisted listening uh, a little bit easier. Um, pretty much what ended up happening was uh, listen technologies made uh, listen Wi-Fi. And the idea behind it is to make it to where, uh, you know, everyone's, uh, everyone's got a handy dandy smartphone and uh, you could download the app and you could uh, listen to uh, 
programs or TV channels uh, from your smartphone if, say, you're in a large congregation area. Now, it's not meant to replace, say, your traditional listening devices, which, um, you know, uh, both uh, Listen Technologies, William Sound, a couple other ones, they all, they all make assisted listening, but this is meant for more uh, like larger group spaces and everything. So this is more uh, along the lines of your student unions, your gyms, your theaters, if, you're, if you have multiple things going on, that kind of deal. Um, so it's, it's an interesting step forward because it's the first time I think I've seen a company actually uh, use a smartphone app um, as far as assisted listening. But, you know, I've been known to be wrong. Um, Mike, I'm going to default to you because uh, at times, sir, you know ADA uh, far better than I do at times, uh, especially during uh, the days of uh, Infocom classes. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, I did um, uh, teach a course this past uh, Infocom on uh, ADA compliance for uh, AV design. And um, so, yeah, like you mentioned, it doesn't, um, th this doesn't replace the need to have your minimum number of uh, IR or um, RF receivers available for ADA. Um, but this is a, a nice feature, um, like you were saying, for these kind of uh, large areas that might have um, uh, multiple displays and um, you don't want to have audio playing in those areas like a, a gym or um, campus center areas or, you know, student union areas like you were mentioning. Um, so I, I think this is great. You know, this, um, the app is really easy to use and um, for uh, uh, people that are downloading it, not necessarily um, you know, people that are configuring it, but uh, um, for, for the people that users that download it, it's very easy to use. And um, I think it's a, a great um, bit of business for these companies to get into now instead of just selling um, their, you know, transmitters and receivers for, uh, for ADA compliance, which you're probably going to install in the classroom um, and, might not necessarily use very often and um, probably don't need to replace very often in those classrooms. They're just, um, they're not really uh, used very often and people need them to um, comply well, with ADA. It's just the way well, it goes. So. I, I will say this on that one. Um, the wonderful world of ADA in that one is, is it always going to be there? It will, do you need to have it there? Yes. Is it always going to be used? Not always, but you don't want to be like Penn State who got, who got kind of caught with their pants down on that one and they got fined a, uh, a sizable chunk because they were not able to uh, provide assisted listening um, for some folks or anything. So yeah. um, is, it, is it a necessary evil? Yes. Do I mean it is a necessary evil? No, of course not. But it's one of those ones of you put it in and just, you know, when it comes up, do we have it? Yes, of course. Here you go. And it's uh, not a major cost either. No. Right. You know, that, that's the deal. It's, it doesn't cost that much to do it. Um, yeah. In fact, uh, as I say, Ernie, um, uh, just out of curiosity, with, um, when it comes to your school, has, it, um, uh, has there been any other um, – have folks um, asked for anything beyond usually just – it's usually just like the easy, like, you know, they usually have the RF or the little loop uh, yeah. transducer. It's never been anything – that crazy. Yeah, we use the RF units. Uh, we don't have a whole lot of demand for it, but if, and you know, until just the last few weeks, we've never had a compliance officer on campus, full-time position. They've just created, they just created that. You now know, see, that's a, that's a deadly word in front of, in front of the officer. There's the magic words of compliance, especially in a hospital setting. But, well, uh, we're looking at for, you know, we take care of it on the hospital side, but when we get into the academic side, we've had the tools there. 
And, you know, there's always been someone in the colleges that knows to put the student in touch with us. They don't always find out about the student. We'll, you know, most of the time, you know, when we do run across a student who's having trouble, he'll stop one of my staff, you know, at beginning or end of class and say, is there a better place I could sit to hear better? And we say, give me, are you going to be here for 10 more minutes? Let me go get you a receiver you can have for the semester. Mm-hmm. And it'll work in all the rooms, you know. And uh, So that's where we are. We actually looked uh, at the Listen Wi-Fi, talked to them a good bit at Infocom. Uh, but their issue is on an on a single Wi-Fi network, they're limited to I think eight different sources. Okay. Well, it's uh, uh, if, and, if, if know, it's go ahead. I'm 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 sitting here. You know, I've got a uh, hundred plus listen transmitters on campus, and we have a single Wi-Fi network. So, <laughs> you know, I would love to buy their devices. Then I'm not keeping up with as many receivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and earbuds and all that. I just put a sign up so you know, go to here's, yeah. Here's, here's the app. Go to go to town. Yeah, yeah, and you know, select the correct room number, and you're there. All right, but uh, I can't do that with you know. Well, I, what eight do I pick? Yeah, that's true. If anything, <laughs> I think this is a um, this is a, a the first learning steps for them. And I think um, once like listen gets uh, get some good feedback from some of the stuff of like, hey, can you do this for multiple channels? Uh, I don't doubt it. If the eventual end goal is if they eventually uh, went and say got like a Dante bus, put that in. And we're talking like the big one, not like a little eight by eight. We're talking like the 64 by 64 or something like that. Um, and I could definitely see it to where, oh, yeah, here you have your DSP in the room. You're able to route that to uh, the listen Wi-Fi server or something like that or to a unit. Yeah put that in and all of a sudden it turns into, Oh, you don't need a device. Do you have a smartphone? Download the app. Bam. There you go. I, I think that that would be the ultimate end goal because then after that, it's, it's just software because right. you know, name a college student that doesn't have a, uh, an Apple, uh, like an iPhone or an Android phone of some sort. And I will, I will show you some very, some, some, uh, there, there are, I won't lie. There are some students that may not have it, but it's, it's very low at this point. So, uh, that being said, uh, we are coming close to uh, end time here. So, um, as I say, Spence, Mike, uh, Ernie, I do thank you for your time. Uh, Ernie, where can the fine folks uh, find you online? You generally find me on LinkedIn. All right. That's why. And uh, as I say, Mr. Tomei, where can they find you at? I uh, am on LinkedIn also, and um, my website is TomeiAV.com. It's T-O-M-E-I-A-V.com. All right. And Mr. Spence, where can they find you at, sir? The easiest place to get me is at West Virginia University. It's spencer.graham at mail.wvu.edu. Anytime. All right. And I am Bill O'Donnell. You can find me on LinkedIn as well as you can find me on Twitter at the original OD. Those are some of the easiest ways or quickest ways to find me. Thank you and have a, have a good month, guys. Thank you.